0: And now back to Lifeline with
1: Craig Roberts.
0: Welcome back to Lifeline, a very special guest joining us today. We're visiting with Dr. Jerry Buckner, Senior Pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship and host of Contending for the Faith, heard Saturday at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. We've been talking about this issue of Rodney Howard Brown down in Florida, and there have been other examples of pastors in the news that somehow think that by defying local health authority orders to quarantine and to practice social distancing is is somehow a violation of their First Amendment rights. Well, it's, it's not a violation of your First Amendment rights when it's being done out of an effort to protect the safety of a congregation. In fact, it's not an option. I believe that's a moral imperative, and we talked about that just before the break with Dr. Buckner. Part of the issue perhaps here too, Dr. Buckner, you touched on this toward the end of the last segment, and that is the notion that any of this behavior, any of these actions, whether it be false teaching, false preaching, false ideas about uh, what you can and can't do during a time of of health crises like what we're in right now, a lot of this falls under the umbrella of the cults. And I suppose toward that end, certainly for me, when I read the story that it was Rodney Howard Brown who was arrested for violating health authorities to uh, to practice the uh, social distancing down in Florida, I thought, well, who better than a man who refers to himself as a holy ghost bartender, Um, the guy that was behind the so-called laughing revivals that got the Toronto Airport Vineyard in so much trouble that at a point about 20 years ago, Vineyard um, actually severed its ties with Rodney Howard Brown and the Toronto Airport Vineyard because of the degree of absolute outlandish false teaching and that utter inability, apparently, of people to, as Scripture mandates us, test or try the spirits to see if they be of God.
2: Oh, that's so true, and holding also the congregation uh, responsible, because we're challenging these false teachers, but we're also challenging the congregations that sitting up there uh, getting all of this false teaching. They need to put it to the test. And one of the scriptures I love in the Bible about the Bereans, it says that they were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they tested everything Paul said to the scriptures. Now, let me just kind of, for a moment, Uh, lay out to the listening audience uh, some of the theology of Rodney Howard Brown, uh, because you were hitting on it a little bit, but I want to kind of lay it out if I have a little time for that. Please do. Um, Let me just kind of lay out, maybe if I have enough time to squeeze in nine uh, points here. Uh, First of all, uh, he is a dangerous cult leader, and he uh, leads himself into the area of not only the cults, but even the world of the occult. Uh, and he's into brainwashing the people, and there's a lot of abuse because what's going on right now in his church is that he's abusing the people. Secondly, uh, he's into an uh, eclectic and syncretistic uh, teaching where he combines uh, his own false teachings with a word faith teacher. So, He's into the Name It and Claim It and uh, Prosperity, Health and Wealth Teaching, Extreme Pentecostalism, and also the Counterfeit Revival Movement. Hank Hanegraaff wrote a book on that called The Counterfeit Revival Movement, so I encourage people to get that book. But he's a heretical teacher, and he combines all of that, and he goes as far back as being influenced by an early word faith teacher by the name of Oral Roberts, thirdly. Um, He distorts the true teachings of the Holy Spirit, uh, and he says that he is the Holy Ghost bartender, uh, being the one by which the Holy Spirit brings about revivals today, and that he causes people to get drunk in the Spirit and slain in the Spirit, too, which is a lot of foolishness. And uh, number four, uh, he denies the sovereignty of God. Uh, and all word-faith teachers deny the sovereignty of God. And what they do is that they put their uh, faith on the throne rather than God's will on the throne. Howard Brown, uh, in 1979, he said, uh, you know what, I can either go up to heaven, I can go up to heaven, and I can command of God, and uh, I can come up if he doesn't do what I tell him, and I can text him to do what I want him to do. Number five. He teaches a word-faith teaching that you can become little gods. And the Bible makes it very clear. In Isaiah 53, God says there was no God before me, neither after me. Let me go through this quickly now. Number six, he denigrates the person and nature work of the Holy Spirit by calling him human electricity and high voltage. And rather than believing the Holy Spirit for who he is, number seven, and two more points after this, uh, Rodney Howard Brown, for those who don't know this, Uh, This is a shock, but not a shock. He's into the occult and into voodoo and meeting uh, this voodoo typology and his teaching. He learned a lot of this stuff by looking at voodoo and occultic teachers and witch doctors who were all into uh, yelling and screaming, convulsions and all of that stuff, and he came into this thing with a word faith teaches into slain in the Spirit. And I always tell people there's only one passage in the Bible to talks about slain in the Spirit, and that's when God knocked down and destroyed Ananias and Sapphira. That's the only passage in the Scripture that talks about slain in the Spirit, but not the way he talks about it. Eighthly, and then one more point after that, he's into extra-biblical revelation, where he says that, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit can take him to different levels— where he can literally give people uh, different revelations. And the Bible makes it very clear in Jude 3 that faith has been once and for all delivered into the And one more point, he overlooks and disregards the the person of Jesus Christ. He never hardly ever, if you notice his teaching, he never hardly ever says anything about Jesus Christ. It's always the Holy Spirit, and he distorts the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. And the only time really that he really emphasize Jesus Christ is when he was at about five years of age, but Jesus said, the Comforter has come to glorify me. He's come to glorify me, but Rodney Howard Brown, the only thing he talks about is the Holy Spirit, and he distorts that. Thank you, uh, Craig, for allowing me to share that, because it's important for the listening audience to, to know the false teachings of this man, that he's a cult leader, and if you're listening right now and you're involved with this man, you need to flee from him as quick as quick can be.
0: Well, I think one of the big problems here, too, Dr. Buckner, and it's true of any of these so-called word-of-faith teachers, and I would include in that list with Rodney Howard Brown, people like Benny Hinn, Paula White, certainly uh, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagan, all of whom engage in... Teaching passages that are taken out of context in an effort to proof text, meaning they come up with a, a thesis and then they go and try to find a piece of scripture that will support what they're saying or what they're teaching. And of course, the scripture is very clear. And oftentimes people say, well, you know, I like the way he sounds. Well, it may sound good, but that's not the real test. It's not a question of whether it sounds good. It's a question of whether or not it looks good. Meaning, when you look in Scripture, does it square with the Word? And sadly, so much of this false teaching that comes out of the Word of Faith movement by the likes of Rodney Howard Brown and Paula White and Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagin, and others, is really, truly extra-biblical, as you suggested before. And even when a guy like Benny Hinn gets up and says in front of his congregation, now I'm about to tell you something you won't read in the Bible. The minute you <clears throat> hear those words, instead of your ears perking up and paying close attention, you ought to get on your feet and run to the back of the church and get out the door as quickly as you can.
2: <laughs> That's that so true. That's why uh, we have to be brands uh, and, uh, and you know what? A lot of this... Uh, Falls on the area of our churches, Craig, uh, discipling people. You know, I've said this uh, many times, and at the Bass Convention, uh, we had uh, such a big response of people in, in my classes. And one of the things that I told the people there, I said, the word uh, Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible, and the word disciple is 269 times. I said, what does that tell you? And uh, our failure in our churches today is discipling people to become Bereans. And if we are not discipled into becoming Bereans, we're going to see people fall into these cults. You know, uh, Walter Martin, my mentor, once said when he was alive, 80% of the kingdom of the cults is made up of people that came out of the church. And he said the average Jehovah Witness can twist the average Christian into a doctrinal pretzel, in 90 seconds, because they don't know what they believe and know why they believe it. You know, if we are true Bereans, we're going to be able to not only know doctrine, know these different D's, know doctrine, another D is discernment. And we're going to be able to uh, discern these evils. But if we're not taught in the area of discipleship, it leaves Pandora's box open for all the evil in the world to come, and it seduces us right in. You know, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers who will tickle their ears, and the truth of God shall be made into mythology. We're living in that day and age where people have itching ears to hear false teachers because they're very appealing and they appeal to the flesh. But if we are not Bereans, we're going to find ourselves seduced, manipulated, and we're going to go into an area that we can lose our soul for all eternity, and that's a dangerous place to be, Craig.
0: Dr. Jerry Buckner is with us. He, of course, is the speaker on Contending for the Faith, heard Saturdays at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. Dr. Buckner, can I prevail upon you to stay for one more segment? You sure can. Let's do that. We'll take a brief time out and get you updated on traffic. Back with more as our conversation with Dr. Jerry Buckner continues on this edition of Lifeline.
1: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
0: Welcome back to our conversation, a very special treat today. We're visiting with Dr. Jerry Buckner, senior pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship, and of course, host of Contending for the Faith, the broadcast every Saturday at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. Dr. Buckner is a prolific writer. He is a counselor, lecturer, and one of the foremost experts on the cults, and Christian apologetics in America today. And we're always privileged to have Dr. Buckner carve some time out of his schedule to be with us on the program. Uh, Dr. Buckner, I want to come back to something you were saying before the break, and that is this notion that any of this false teaching, whether it's the likes of a Rodney Howard Brown getting up and trying to convince people that he's doing the spiritual thing by holding church services, even though it puts his entire congregation literally at risk of death, Um, Then a lot of this is based on not just a little bit of, you know, spiritual chest thumping, but, of course, based in the kingdom of the cults, based in a false exegesis, based in a distortion of Scripture. And, of course, all of this was possible only because of the degree to which there is biblical illiteracy in the church today. You know, if we don't have any yardstick against to measure this sort of preaching or teaching or the actions of somebody like Rodney Howard Brown. And we don't have any means by which of saying, does this square up with the word of God? How does this fit in God's kingdom with God's authority? When we lack the ability to do that, um, we walk not only, I think, on very dangerous uh, shifting sand that puts our own spiritual well-being at risk, but isn't this a threat to the health of the entire church because of the lack of Truth that is not only being taught from the pulpits, but the lack of truth that's being embraced by believers ignorant of the Scripture.
2: Oh yes, absolutely, uh, Craig. You know, um, Jesus had said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me." And uh, He really is letting us know that uh, we are to follow Him as as truth, and to learn about Him as truth. And uh, one of the things that uh, Walter Martin has in his book, The Kingdom of the Cults book, he has a chapter on another Jesus versus the real Jesus. And he also has a chapter on uh, defining uh, language and terminology. So, uh, one of the things that I have found uh, in traveling all over the states, as well as doing workshops and seminars to uh, pastors and uh, to laypersons, uh, I wrote a book on essential Christian doctrines, and then I wrote another book on the Trinity. And I found, Craig, and going to uh, even workshops with pastors and doing uh, teaching on either the Trinity or essential doctrines, is that many of the pastors have not been discipled, and, and uh, I spent time training them. And, uh, and then if the pastor don't know, then the congregation don't know. Uh, Essential doctrines as well as the Trinity is two areas that uh, most Christians are biblically illiterate in. And if you don't know those things, uh, you can be swept away into not only false cults, but false religions. And so I can ask the average Christian, where in the Bible does Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, or where does it teach that he is the only way? And uh, most of them don't know. And, uh, and then I can ask some questions about where in the Bible is God called one God? Where is, God, where is the Father called God, Son, Holy Spirit? And uh, they don't know. So this is an area that we have to get back to the basics that's so critical for us today. There was a guy by the name of Dr. Marcus Bopp. He was the leading uh, comparative expert in the field of comparative religion and apologetics in the 1950s. And he wrote a series of articles uh, to the average churches in the day, warning them about the cults in our land. And when he wrote these articles, he sent them out to the various churches, Dr. Marcus Bach. And then Ted Gill was his editor at the time. And when the mail came in, uh, Marcus Bach, Dr. Marcus Bach was shocked at getting the responses of these churches. <laughs> they said that these organizations sound so good we would like to have their addresses because we like to join them. And Dr. Marcus Block was just blown away because the purpose of him sending out the articles was to warn the churches about the dangers. And then they sent all of these uh, mails to him saying they sound so good we'd like to join them. Wow. And what he found out was the same thing that I'm saying. The The curse of the church is biblical illiteracy. And that's a real big curse. And, and, you know, the prophet, long time ago, Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then the prophet Amos said, there is a famine in the land. He not only talked about a famine in the land regarding an uh, actual famine, but he said there is a famine. He took it to another level and said, there is a famine regarding God's word. And so we got to get back to the word And that's the thing when you do a study of the history of Israel and the history of uh, Judah and uh, Israel, you'll find that revival always took place when they turned back to the Word of God. My thing today as giving a prophetic word from the Word is challenging people to get back to the Word, to the essentials and the basic fundamentals of the Christian faith. If we don't do that Are we going to be destroyed? Because that's what Hosea says. My people, my people. Are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and because you have rejected God, He will reject you as well. Well, and I, I think shall- sadly, <laughs> I, and I think yeah, sadly,
0: right. Doctor Buckner, that that so much of this, in terms of the 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 relationship that people have in the church with Christ, that sadly, a lot of it is so much based on emotion and how you feel about all of it, and of course, this then reactive to showmanship when somebody like Rodney Howard Brown gets up and says. Damn the torpedoes. Church is staying open. Don't care what the health authorities say. We're not going to shut it down until Jesus returns. That's not good theology. That's not Christian stewardship. That's not being a good shepherd over the flock. That's showmanship. And I am reminded of that passage in Matthew 7 and 22, where Jesus says that on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name or cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? And of course, sadly, the response is that's coming from, from Christ in response to that. I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me. And 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 I, I love the the translation in the NIV. It says, get away from me, you evildoers. And I think that as you're as you're pointing out, Dr. Buckner, it's not just a matter of the emotion. Certainly the showmanship can be very attractive. But the end of the day, the danger that you walk into is this notion of people that are open to any wind of doctrine, having itching ears, just wanting somebody to say something that makes them feel good, as opposed to a person who was actually preaching and teaching the unadulterated Word of God.
2: <laughs> You're so right about that. And just to dovetail off of that word, emotions, there's two dangers in our churches that is is choking us. And that is, one is emotions, and emotions is a good thing if it follows behind the Word of God. But if the emotions is before the Word of God, it's problematic. And then the other thing that's killing us in a lot of our churches is uh, that we are so uh, engulfed into the work of the church that we have forgotten the work of Christ. The work of the church is like delicacies. When you go to a restaurant, you can get so filled up on the delicacies that when the main course meal comes, You don't have room. That's why you see uh, so many people out in the community, like Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and Hyrule Christians in the community. You say, where is the church? But one thing I wanted to share, along with the emotion thing that you were saying, but one of the things that Malcolm X used to do, he said that he got most of his recruits by going to uh, black churches after service. So he would go to the black churches, and he would stand outside and wait for them to come out. And he would say to them, Uh, to some of the brothers and sisters, he would say, what did you learn today? What did you learn? What did you learn from the preacher? And many of them would respond by saying, oh, he really did preach. Oh, he really preached the Word of God. And then uh, Malcolm said, well, but I'll ask you a question. What did you learn? Oh, many of them say, we didn't know what he said, but he really preached. He got us worked up emotionally. And Malcolm X said, you know what? If you come over to the Black Mosque, I'll teach you something. And Malcolm X said, even though he was a false teacher in the nation of Islam, they will change later over to the orthodoxism. uh, He said that the reason why he got so many black folks, and this happens in all churches, though, but he said he was focusing on the black church, is because they were ignorant of the word of God. This is a cult leader saying that, that he got most of his recruits from the black church because a lot of them were into emotion, and didn't know nothing about the Word of God because they were being electrified by an emotional preacher who was not really giving them the word in the midst of that emotionalism.
0: To be sure, a very stark warning reaching all the way back down through the decades from Malcolm X, a non-believer, to the church today. Dr. Jerry Buckner, host of Contending for the Faith, the broadcast Saturdays at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. And don't forget, coming up this Friday at 5 o'clock on Lifeline, we'll be presenting a sermon message delivered by Dr. Buckner to the 54th Annual Bass Church Workers Convention, and that broadcast again this coming Friday at 5 o'clock. So be sure to mark your calendars, share with your friends, and make an effort to tune in. Dr. Buckner, as always, we appreciate the time and the biblical insights. Thanks so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you so much for the opportunity. God bless
1: and now back to lifeline with craig roberts
0: the white house has been expressing regret over the way in which quran's were disposed of in Afghanistan, Now, you might recall a couple of three years ago, maybe four years ago, pallets of New Testaments were sent to Afghanistan by Christian organization here in America to be available to distribution to members of the United States military. The very presence of God's word on Afghan soil made the Afghanis so upset that in order to deal with the controversy, the United States military burned them. Didn't put them back on a plane and ship them back to the States. They just set them on fire. Nobody said a word. We complained about it on this program. Few others covered the story. Largely nobody said a word. Now, the White House is doing a lot of hand-wringing over this entire issue because it seems as if uh, there's major concerns over the fact that the United States military improperly, quote-unquote, disposed of copies of the Koran in Afghanistan. In fact, there's uh, been some statements made by uh, General John Allen, commander for the International Security Assistance Force, offering his sincere apologies over what transpired.
1: And ISAF personnel at Bagram Air Base improperly disposed of a large number of Islamic religious materials, which included Korans we immediately intervened and stopped them. The materials recovered will be properly handled by appropriate religious authorities. We are thoroughly investigating the incident, and we are taking steps to ensure this does not ever happen again.
0: of course, it's their country, and I guess they can have their own rules with regard to Sharia law and so forth. But I just find it quite ironic that uh, they had no issue with the burning of thousands of Bibles, and yet, Quran's being disposed of inappropriately, and everything in the United States military comes to a grinding halt. Waleed Shobat joins us now. He himself is the author of a number of best-selling books, including Dear Muslim, Let Me Tell You Why I Believed, uh, Israel and the World's Mock Trial, and his latest book, God's War on Terror. And Waleed, great to have you back on the program. Thank you for having me. What is uh, first your reaction to this news uh, coming out of Afghanistan with regards to the apologies and the mea culpas in the handling of these Qurans?
1: Well, it's very shocking. Uh, We've had those kind of apologies uh, happen when uh, I believe also military servicemen urinated on dead terrorists, yet that's a major issue. Yet the killing of Americans or even the invitation of uh, the. Prime Minister of Transportation of Iraq, which was involved, who was involved in the Khobar Tower massacres, killing American servicemen, uh, he's welcome to the White House. You know, those kind of things is beginning to show the American people that there is uh, a double standard here, in which the Obama administration uh, suppresses uh, the issues that relate to the American people's rights to investigate. Even the 9/11 issues, in which uh, Judge Daniels, uh, federal judge in the Havelish case, discovered that Iran is involved in 9/11, in which uh, agents of the Iranian regime, uh, like Hadi al amri visits the White House, and of course the president uh, releases, uh, sends back, I guess, our troops uh, as a Christmas present. Yet, ignoring those issues of persecution of Christians globally in Egypt. Uh, in Iraq, uh, in much of the Muslim world, uh, in which, let's uh, face it, I mean, there are thousands of cases in which Islamists burned uh, Bibles, uh, even in historical uh, recent times, uh, and even back to the Damour massacre in Lebanon, in which they used them for toilet paper. They used Bibles for toilet paper. Let's not forget the destruction of holy sites, even in Israel. Nothing was done by our administration in which uh, even Joseph's tomb was desecrated, and Torah scrolls were defecated on, and uh, things that are is very difficult to describe on the program. Instead of addressing the major issues that we have, you know, uh, in which the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt are advancing through deception, that's a subject we'd love to discuss on your show, in which they use uh, uh, what is called Muruna to twist the... Uh, Sharia laws itself and permit Muslims from cutting out all kinds of evil activities. Well, let's talk
0: about what's going on there, uh, since you brought it up. Uh, We we all know, of course, 30 years ago, the assassination of Anwar Sadat, largely because he dared to enter into a peace agreement uh, with the nation of Israel. Um, For the course of the following 30 years, Hosni Mubarak, granted while somewhat uh, favorable or friendly with of uh, the West, nevertheless, was a totalitarian leader. Uh, he eventually gets ousted, as we know, during the so-called uh, Arab Spring, and uh, this is applauded much by the administration that we see the deposing of this dictator and the idea of a uh, true democracy now coming to um, Egypt, and yet instead we instead what we've really seen is is the overtaking of that nation by the, the, the Islamists. Uh, we've seen better than 80% Elected to the parliament there, it is just within the last um, several weeks, for example, uh, there in Egypt, that some 3,000 Coptic Christians uh, were driven for their homes and villages. Businesses burned down, churches burned down, uh, and yet the international media, uh, let alone the administration, has nothing to say about this.
1: Nothing whatsoever. In fact, the general guide of the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood, Mohammed Badir, who laid out his vision for the post-revolutionary era in Egypt, while revealing aspects of strategy uh, to his followers showed a great deal of uh, how to combat secularism in fact they're reversing secularism in Egypt in fact I quote him verbatim I translated it was translated from the Arabic he says, do not fight in the ways of the world because they are overpowering but try to overcome and use them change their course and pit some of them against the other it's a master scheme of reversing secularism in Egypt an advancing Islamist cause and saying that the Muslims now need to kind of join in with secularists in order to pit uh, people against each other and change the course of the situation in Egypt Uh, when Badir says to overcome and use the ways of the world he is instructing Muslims worldwide on how to overcome Western secularism it was precisely this purpose for which the muslim brotherhood advanced a new doctrine called muruna m-u-r-u-n-a which americans and westerners fairly are accustomed to it was prescribed by Sheikh yusuf al-qaradawi the main muslim brotherhood intellect and what its goal is to basically sanction all islamic prohibitions in other words we're talking about sharia laws despite the sharia laws is really in contrary to our constitution uh, now certain Sharia laws that basically protect uh, human beings for surviving or protects or even san- uh, prohibits Muslims and working in banks are all permitted now uh, uh, the Muslim brotherhood had has an injunction to allow the killing of, of even Muslims in Western countries uh, if they are shielded by Western society it's okay as long as you kill the Americans you kill the Muslims in, in In the process, that's fine. I could go through all kinds of documents and all kinds of issues here, uh, but Americans need to begin to understand the deception factor that the Muslim Brotherhood is applying with Maruna, in which they reverse uh, all uh, laws, even in Sharia, to make permitted, to permit the Muslims from uh, carrying out evil acts. In fact, I could give the quotes. uh, to show what this plan is all about.
0: Let me have you pause at that point. I want to have you share uh that if you would, Wally, but do so uninterrupted. So let's do this. Let's get an update on traffic real quick here. We'll come back to more of our conversation. Walid Showbot, my guest, as we're talking about uh, the the deception plan uh underway in Egypt. And I tell you, we got a lot to be concerned about, folks. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to our conversation tonight with Walid Chilbot. Walid is uh, formally involved with the PLO. Uh, he, of anybody in this country, understands exactly what is going on with the so-called Arab Spring, which for many is turning into an Islamic winter. We're talking about the Islamic Brotherhood, or the, or the Muslim Brotherhood, rather, uh, their impact on Middle Eastern politics, most specifically what they've done in Egypt and other parts of the world, and it's interesting because when you talk, Walid about the degree of uh, the Maruana, uh deception here, uh, this goes to the highest levels. There are reports that we have read uh, during the fall of regimes in Libya with Gaddafi and in Egypt with Mubarak that the influence of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, has been lauded as, quote, mostly or largely secular and that they have been considered heroes uh, in opening a pathway toward democracy. But is this the case?
1: That's absolutely false. It's not true. Uh, a nahda in Tunisia is very much pro-Muslim brotherhood. Uh, in fact, in all these countries, they're talking about advancing towards Jerusalem, which has nothing to do with any Arab Spring. If the idea is to topple uh, all Arab regimes and uh, uh, do away with nationalism altogether for the sake of an Islamic utopia. Uh, all the statements coming out of all the Middle Eastern uh, uh, countries that toppled their regimes, they're talking about advancing Sharia law. They're talking about a utopian uh, conquest of Islam. Uh, in fact, many who are astute to Islamic lying, I'm sure you've heard of the term taqiyya, which uh, allows Islamists to lie, but this is much greater. Uh, with Muruna and the Muslim Brotherhood and advancement of what's happening in the Arab Spring, uh, what was uh, once forbidden by Sharia from major crimes like Muslims killing Muslims to issues of interest banking that include alliances with infidels was made temporarily now lawful by Muruna. In fact, I give the exact quote: the the, the Muruna doctrine states, "It is permissible then to have alliances with powers that are non-Muslim." They ask the question. Can Muslims work in banks that practice usury? For the young Muslims, they should not leave their jobs in banks and insurance agencies, despite that their work is evil, since their experience in these agencies would gain experience for what would benefit the Muslim commerce. Whoever examines the issues in the light of the doctrine of balance, that is maruna would find that entry into these arenas is not merely a project, but a preference and a duty. In other words, it is really asking all Muslim communities to infiltrate the West, to infiltrate the banking systems. In fact, even the issues when it comes to the right to life, the individual rights to life can be eliminated under this new law, uh, under the section titled The Necessities of the Group, Qaradawi explains that, and I quote, as Sharia considers the individual needs, it permits many prohibitions and considers the necessities of the community. Qaradawi is not short of examples and even commands the killing of Muslims whom the unbelievers use as shields, since leaving these unbelievers is a danger to the Muslims. So it is permissible to kill these unbelievers, even if they killed Muslims, Uh, in the process. So death, mayhem, and even prostitution is sanctioned by the uh, Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, In fact, that's a topic that will open the Western eyes about sanctioning prostitution, because even in Iran, when they sanction, the idea of pleasure marriage, I'm sure you've heard of pleasure marriages in Iran, but how many Americans are familiar with misyar marriage, in which um, middlemen can seal uh, deals with muslim male clients uh, in order to obtain a muslim woman under a contract called marriage contract for simply giving sexual services in fact you can access it yourself on the internet for internet savvy travelers there are countless websites like misyar online m e s i a r online one word that allow men to arrange these marriages globally, including in the United States, from the comfort of their hotel rooms in order to basically uh, bring these women for their pleasure marriages. And it's not really a marriage, because the prostitution document says it's a marriage document. Misyar, in fact, was made legal in Saudi Arabia and Egypt, made legal, sanctioned. It is law now in Egypt and Saudi Arabia to commit these acts of whoredom. The uh, Sunnis who approve misyar condemn, of course, the Shiites for muta. yet they have the same things. What the West needs to understand is that all these things about the Shiites with uh, uh, taqiyya, lying to the enemy, or pleasure marriages, are same, sanctioned in the Sunni world as well, and made lawful in the Sunni world.
0: And in the end, all of this comes down to the matter of, of deception for the purpose of infiltration, and, and once they're able to penetrate Walid, what becomes the agenda then?
1: Well, the agenda, we've seen it. The penetration already happened, you know. Uh, it's been going on for many years. You have Rashad Hussein, who writes the speech for President Obama. I mean, Americans ought to wake up. I look at the Arabic language and I see interview between Rashad Hussein, the speechwriter of President Obama, and when he made the speech in Egypt, I could see the interview in Al-Ahram newspaper in Arabic language, in which the editor is asking him. When is the time that you will intervene in the issues of nuclear issues with Iran and so on and so forth? And of course, Rashad Hussein, the speechwriter of President Obama, says that I will intervene when the time is right. It's all about timing. It's all about when they gain the foothold in the West by the time they fight people like me and you and all these people who begin to expose the issues. You could see much of the media talking about anti Semitism, not that. there is uh, uh, racism against jews but anti-semitism has being coined to talk about racism with muslims when in fact there is no such thing look america is a country that talks about racism more than any other country in the world yet the united states exercises the least amount of racism than any other country in the world how does the muslim make the argument that america commits racism against muslims when the majority of racism that still exists even in this country is against jews So. <laughs> You know, this is part of the deception. They, begin they want to also put in code laws that basically prohibits the freedom of speech in America, in which the Organization of Islamic Council mandated the trial uh, of uh, uh, anyone who says anything against Islam or even critiques Islam to basically even face trial in the Middle East. So, if, the, if that happens, that means people like myself and even your own program will be under scrutiny, and our freedoms are gone. Uh, so, all our forefathers, what they bled and fought for, is for, for, for nil. And this is what the goal is to take away the freedom of Americans and begin the process of the Islamization of the world.
0: Of course, we know that it's taking place literally right underneath our noses. Get more information, by the way, uh, online at Walid's website, Shobat. It's S H O E B A T, Shobat.com. His latest book is entitled God's War on Terror. Information again on the website at showbot.com or through amazon.com. And Wally, always a delight and an education to have you with us, brother. We appreciate your time today. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend... Grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long.
1: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications. All rights reserved.